of persecution in Jesus. And we have come to the end of the Beatitude. That is number eight. That is number eight. Uh, there are eight Beatitudes that we are reading, we are preaching through in this series in Matthew chapter 5. So it seems superficial that there is a blessing that no one wants. That is the blessing of persecution. It seems frightening to have such a suggestion from Jesus. But when we understand it, it is indeed a blessing. In all my experience with God, He never wastes our pain and our tears. He uses persecution and hardships on the saints for good purposes. And this morning, and I want to preach on being blessed when we are persecuted for righteousness and for Jesus' sake. It is not all persecution are blessing, but only for righteousness and for Jesus' sake. So the title of my message this morning is Blessed are the Persecuted. And we want to read from Matthew chapter 5 from verse 10 to verse 12. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 to verse 12. It reads like this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this word. Take this word and help us to be able to understand it that indeed that what you say it will become a blessing to us. Strengthen our hearts even as we hear your word. Bless every hearer and the preacher of your word that we may be strengthened. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This eighth beatitude is different because it starts with the same blessed word, but then it has an explanation about this uh, uh, Beatitudes. It gives explanation and it gives meaning. Whereas the rest of the blessed uh, uh, Beatitudes are statements that Jesus made. Okay? And of course, we have gone through enough and that we know these uh, Beatitudes, the rest of the Beatitudes, and we thank God for them. And we trust that after hearing all this, that you will be encouraged and you will be blessed when you live life that are uh, patterned after these Beatitudes. Now, what are the qualifications of this uh, persecution. Alright? First of all, it's for righteousness' sake. And we read this in verse 10 itself. Not all persecutions are blessed as qualified in this passage of Scripture. The verses here mention about persecution that comes as a result of righteous living in the context of godliness. In this passage from uh, verse 1 to verse 12 about the Beatitudes, it is in the context of godliness, in the context of righteousness, in the context of walking in the light of God. They are persecuted. That come, there are persecution that comes from the conflict between doing right and in the midst of wrong. 
It covers practicing all the qualities of the Beatitudes, of course, that is poor in spirit, or those who mourn, who those who are meek, and those who are hunger and thirsting for righteousness, who are merciful, who are pure in heart, and who are peacemakers. There is some similarities in the, of the Beatitudes with the fruit of the Spirit. Some similarities between the Beatitudes and the fruit of the Spirit. It is because the people of the world love darkness that they will persecute those who will live righteously. Those who will live righteously and who are godly in their outlook. Our imputed righteousness, that when we become believers in God, God gives us the righteousness. No more a sinner, no more a wrongdoer, but God gave us the righteousness. And that righteousness from God is too glaring, too glaring for the world, for them, and that they will want to snuff us out. They will want to get rid of us. People cannot stand the holiness that is exhibited through our righteous living. And that's why they start to persecute us. There is no blessing for being a nuisance. No blessing being offensive, rude, difficult, proud, a lawbreaker, in fact. A lot of people are persecuted because of breaking the law. Insulting the co-workers and neighbours. Many times we also attract persecution because of our foolishness. Because of our foolishness. When we make poor choices, we will also have some persecution. We have to judge correctly that our persecution are not a result of our wrongdoings and or even our weak character. Compare our action with those of these Beatitudes that we read in the Bible, in the Scripture, and of course the fruit of the Spirit, and we will know the reason why we are facing persecutions. And we will understand that better. And Paul told Timothy that when we do right, we will be persecuted. In fact, in First and Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he says that, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That includes all of us here. Not, not so happy, huh? For, for this kind of statement. Yeah. We will be persecuted. Because of righteousness' sake. Because of doing the right thing. Because in the context of godliness, we will be persecuted. Another verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Persecution that is blessed has its basis on righteous living. I think that some, maybe last year, we have preached through first, uh, the first uh, uh, book of Peter that prepares the church for persecution. And I believe that you will remember this message that we have preached, this series. And now we are preaching on the Beatitudes, on Christ, uh, Christian formation. And it's important for us to understand 
the light and darkness is in deep contrast now. So we are persecuted because of righteousness. And the second thing that qualifies persecution is that on account of Jesus. In verse 11 here. On account of Jesus. Now, how many of you love Jesus? Show your hands. How many of you love Jesus? Praise the Lord. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? <laughs> Having a relationship with Jesus will always attract persecution. Are you ready for this? You love Jesus? Amen. Praise the Lord. You will attract persecution. In John chapter 15, and we read from verse 18 to verse 20, uh, Jesus said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it did, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. So in this John chapter 15, people don't like us to contrast their sin and darkness. Our lifestyle, our righteousness becomes a spotlight, a lamp that shines and portrays their darkness in their life. And because of that, they do not want it to be seen. They do not want it to be known. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, Jesus demanded that we live life to reflect His holiness and the world cannot accept that holiness. And He calls for us today to be holy, to be perfect as God is perfect, to be as close as Jesus is, to be transformed, to be changed from glory to glory, as close as much as possible to be like Jesus. And then you become like Jesus, you contrast the darkness. Darkness stands out. And because the people of the world, they love darkness more than the light, they will persecute us. And so on account of Jesus, we will attract persecution and people will accuse us, will slander us, will speak evil against us, falsely accuse us and gossip about us. In fact, the more we love Jesus, the more we pattern after His godliness, His faithfulness, His goodness, His holiness, His peace, His justice, uh, His purity, and the brighter we become, the world will hate us more. We become from above to be a lighthouse. Our godliness is in very high contrast of their sin and darkness and they either would run to God in, in repentance or they run the opposite direction to snuff us out to hide their sins and their darkness in most cases they will persecute 
the Christian because people are trapped in sin and in their darkness. So we have two qualifications here. Persecuted for righteousness and persecuted for Jesus' name. How contrasting are we? We are in the world, but not of the world. And of course, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, tells us not to be conformed to the world, not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are to be changed. Paul talks to the Romans. Peter talks to his audience. Paul talks to Timothy. And God speaks to us today that we are to be changed from glory to glory. We are to be patterned after the life of Jesus. Oh, we need our mind to be renewed. It encourages us not to conform to the pattern of this world. For it will be an enmity with God. It will be antagonistic with God. We have no choice but to be transformed and changed to be like Jesus. Day by day, we are to be changed. Month by month, we are to be changed. And year by year, we are to be changed to be like Jesus. We are to be spiritual and holy. And let me give you some contrast as we thought through about this verse here. If we cherish chastity, we attack the love for free sex. You get what I mean? If we cherish chastity, then we attack the love for free sex. If we embrace temperament, we speak against the love for alcohol. And I think that last week we have a big issue about alcohol. If we pursue self-control, we indict the excesses of life. If we live simply and happily, we show the folly of luxury. If we walk humbly with God, we expose the evil of pride. If we are punctual, wow. If we are thorough in all our dealings, if we have integrity in all that we do, we expose the inferiority, the laziness, the negligence, and the corruption. If we are spiritually minded, we expose the worldly mindedness. How do we want to live? Jesus calls you to be out of the world, to be transformed, to be the light of the world. And as you stand out as light, you will show the darkness around you. And darkness will be contrasted so strongly Either the people will return and be coming to God in repentance or they will shut you out. 
persecution comes even when you are right. Even you are standing for Jesus. How do we want to live? And not too long ago, I experienced this. That I have to go to the police station to make a statement. Because I have been accused that we have threatened to kill somebody. I have to go to the police station to take my statement. For doing the right thing. For preventing trespassing into our property. I have to go to the police station. And you see, because of standing out, even doing our own thing, doing the right thing, doing church, we have to go and answer to the police about the threat. I will not go into much detail about this, but let you know that people of the world, they are not as kind as we think they are. But we thank God those that are touched that return to God in repentance. I really want to rejoice over that. But then there are not so friendly people as well. When you contrast their sin and their darkness, they will want to snuff you out. So there are two qualifications. Not all persecution are blessings. You have to understand that. Only when it's righteous and in Jesus' sake that we can consider it as being blessed. As I say that, if you are a nuisance to your neighbour, if they persecute you, then you better think and do something about it. If you are a raw breaker, you beat the traffic light, you get into an accident or something like that, uh, you got to answer to the police or to pay damages, that is not persecution, that is not a blessing. Jesus speaks very precisely to us and He explained it in these Beatitudes. You are blessed. But let me go to the last point later and how that we can really rejoice and be thankful. Alright? So let's look at the root of persecution now. The root of persecution. The root cause of persecution on the righteous living and on Jesus is found in Luke chapter 16. From verse 13 to verse 15, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Full stop. You cannot serve God and money. Oh, let's have to, have to go further, huh? have to qualify and, uh, and talk about this. In verse 14, okay, in verse 14 of this part here in Luke, the Pharisees were lovers of money and Jesus was speaking to them and they were responding by persecuting Jesus. They sneer at Him. They speak bad about Jesus. Jesus spoke against them publicly, you know, publicly embarrassed them and they were indicted and they wanted to get rid of him and that's why the enmity between the Pharisees and Jesus began to take place they planned to destroy Jesus way from the beginning and they have always been trying to find ways 
to get rid of Jesus. When challenged about their sin, they responded with murder. They responded with murder. Because firstly, they were lovers of money. They loved money. How many of you love money? You're in trouble if you love money. The Bible recorded for us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 that for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. Jesus implied to his disciples in the hearing of the Pharisees that the love of money is treason against God. Treason. Treason always applied to national interests and is often punishable by death. But today we don't kill because uh, people love money. Lah. The Pharisees were religious leaders. They were supposed to be guide for the blind, supposed to be educated people to speak the word of God and the demands of God for the understanding of the people. Yet they commit treason against God. Now we all know that money is a good tool. And, and can do all kinds of things, even the things of God. Even the things of God. So the money is not the issue. Ah, what a relief. Money is not the issue. Being rich and blessed with money is not evil. But the love of it is evil. The love of it is evil. With money, we can serve God and extend His kingdom. And the affairs of God needs money to go on. But the love of it is treason, you know. Money cannot be our master, but can be our servant. Don't reverse that. Money must not be the master. Money must be the servant. And we must be good managers, good servants with, man with the money. We must be spiritual in the matter of handling money. God has given many of us with exceptional skill to earn money in our businesses, especially to all of you who are businessmen. He has arranged our events and plans to be fruitful, and rewarding in terms of profitability. We get good rewards, we get good businesses. He has blessed many of us, and as a result, many of us are rich in Subang Jaya Assembly. But not all that are rich are generous towards God, who gave to us in the first place. Not all are rich, are generous to God. Many are enjoying the profits, but not acknowledging enough it is God who made the arrangement for them and that they are to be thankful to God in return. For those of you who are rich, hearken to the admonishment of Jesus not to love money, not to make money, uh, uh, not to love it such that it becomes your priority. The love of it will snare us, will really snare us. It will become our master. It will make us their slave. 
use our wealth to serve God, make money our servant, and we will not love it. Make money our servant, and we will not love it. And the next thing that the Pharisees would do is to justify their love for money. First of all, they love money and they sneer at Jesus. And second thing that they do is they justify their love for money. The Pharisees wanted to justify their love for money, but Jesus gave the right way to address the money matter, the money issue. Because the Pharisees love money, they don't want to comply and went against Jesus, went against the teaching of Jesus. They knew that Jesus was a man of God, came from God, and had really good, insightful spiritual stuff for them. They did not deny that. But they also loved their money very much. So they responded by persecuting Jesus because they wanted to serve the money master. You know, sometimes you get betrayed by religious leaders like that. They are supposed to be leading the blind. They are supposed to be teaching those that are not educated about God, about how to worship God and the demands of God. But yet these people have sidetracked. They have sidetracked. And all their service to God is in vain. And so Jesus' attitude towards money was an attack was a direct attack to the Pharisees' love of money. So here we understand where the root of persecution comes from. Righteousness will expose unrighteousness. This beatitude is a high contrast and high tension between God and money. And it is still going on today without abating. Still very strong. Uh, we heard that many people have come out from Egypt, but Egypt is still in them. Okay? This is very high contrast. Most of us here are educated and experienced, and we can actually come out with many good reasons why we are doing what we are doing, or even not doing. We can come up with good reasons. We can even find a good excuse not to follow Jesus. We can even find good excuse of not to believe the Beatitudes. Even if it's commanded, we can actually find ways to justify all things like the Pharisees. They will justify their love for money. Today, I want to speak to those whose hearts are tender and responsive to God. Those who want to be followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who endeavor to live a life to honor God. Of course, we need money. But money is not the issue. The love of it is the issue. When we surrender to God, we will be blessed. And the persecution we face will not be compared to the reward of heaven. The persecution will not be compared to the reward of heaven. The Bible speaks of reward in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. Okay? Uh, it is not on the screen. You can take it down, Matthew 19, 29. It talks about the, the key words there, will receive a hundredfold 
talking about persecution on this earth and later when we get to heaven, we will receive a hundredfold, a reward that is a hundredfold. And in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 and 18, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, we'll receive an eternal weight of glory. Paul assures the Corinthian believers that what they go through and the difficulties they go through is worth it all. And I believe the more we are persecuted, the greater will be the reward. And that will encourage our heart. That will encourage us. But we have a choice to make our Christianity either a tradition or a witness. What I mean by that, a tradition will lay low and everything will be quiet and peaceful, will be easy going. A witness will expose sin and unrighteousness. Holiness will be highlighted and darkness will be seen and we will be hated and we will attract persecution. You can either make your Christianity, your faith, a tradition or a witness. As I said, tradition will be very peaceful, very easy going. Everybody loves you. No problem. A witness will be in contradiction with the world. You will attract persecution. And thirdly, what our response in an attitude of joy. Our response in joyful position. No believers will like persecution, but persecution will come and when they come, how are we to respond? There are three joyful ways. Three joyful ways, praise the Lord. First of all, because it demonstrates our identity in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow, we can be among the hall of fame with the prophets of old. Acts chapter 5 and verse 41. It says that the apostle left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. What happened here in, uh, in, in, in Acts chapter 5 was that the, uh, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, uh, uh, arrested the apostles because the apostles had been going around accusing them of killing Jesus. And so they catch them and put, on the, put them in, in jail and they flogged them and they persecuted them and then released them. And while they were being released, they rejoiced that they were part of the suffering for Jesus' sake. Go back and read Acts chapter 5 and you will understand the full story. When we have persecution, it shows that we are flowing in the center of God's will. We are flowing with Him. We are on track and we are following the gospel of Jesus which is a gospel of persecution. It demonstrates we are His followers and Jesus is close to us. And Jesus is close to us. If our lives are smooth sailing, 
all the time and peaceful, then either our light is put under the bed where nobody sees our light or our love has gone cold. If we are not persecuted, there is no uh, rejoicing over that. But when we are persecuted, we can rejoice because we know that we are in the right track with God. We are flowing with Him. Otherwise, having a bright light but covering it, what is the purpose then? Having a bright light to cover and be covered. None of us, after going through the hardship, want to find ourselves off tangent and miss the mark. And all of us, in our struggle of Christian life, we want to reach the other shore. Persecution, therefore, are signs and indicators. Signs and indicators that we are doing right and are identified with Jesus. That we are identified with Jesus. There is rejoicing because we are on God's side and will eventually, we will be the winner. We will be the winner. Jesus has won and we are winners. We are winners also. Therefore, we can possess an attitude of joy while we are having that persecution that comes from righteous living and for the name of Jesus. Hey, uh, uh, please remember this. In this context, uh, not about our nuisance and our foolishness. Uh. Secondly, it is refining us. Praise the Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to verse 7, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. This has come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Our faith is being refined while in the furnace. Our faith is refined while in the fire. And they say the hotter the fire, the purer the gold. And we are being refined now. Paul encouraged his leaders to hope for heaven where Jesus is, seated at the right hand of the Father and even as they go through all the suffering while on earth. In Hebrews chapter 11, 26, he says that he regarded disgrace, he discarded regrace. And I think I mixed mix up my points already. <laughs> I was going, going on refining, right? And all of us are precious in God's sight. But we also come with impurities, right? We are precious in God's sight, but we come with impurities and we need to be refined so that the beauty of Jesus can shine through us. So when we depart from heaven, depart for heaven, or when we go and meet Him, we will be a molded, a refined, and a precious and brilliant gem in His hands. And He can show forth. He can show forth show us the glory that He has done in our life. The beauty and brilliance will be seen in all of us that has gone through this. 
we should rejoice since we will be a shining gem and we will be full of the fruit of the Spirit. What we are afraid of uh, actually has turned out to be our joy. What we are afraid of persecution actually turned out to be for our glory and to bring glory to God. A refining process as we go through the fire. Of course, thirdly, the promise of heaven is uh, a heavenly rewarded. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18, Paul says that we do not lose heart, therefore, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentarily troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporally, but what is unseen is eternal. And so Paul encourages his followers, his readers, to hope for heaven. He says that on this earth we will have persecution, but hope for heaven, where Jesus is, seated at the right hand of God, the Father, even as they go through life on earth with these difficulties. Hebrews 11.26 He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Peter says, and now, Paul tells the Hebrew Christian that Moses, of course we all know Moses enough. Moses has seen it all. Moses has seen it all. He grew up in the palace, the palace of Egypt. And he had experienced all the luxuries and all the excesses of the palace. He has seen the misery of slavery, exploitation, evil, and even death. And he did not want to be a part of it, to be a part of that. And he seeks for a heavenly reward. And after God dealt with him, he agreed. And after he has agreed, he was willing to go and deliver the three million people out from Egypt. Out from bondage, out from slavery, out from the crutches of evil and death. He surrendered into the hands of God in order to inherit the heavenly reward. He looked further and away from it all. There is a heavenly reward and we should rejoice in that hope. This world is messed up. This world is messed up. And it's not getting better. And so we look forward to heaven and to the reward. We look towards the future. We look towards where there will be peace, where there will be something like in the first place when God created heaven and earth. Let me suggest that we don't lose that hope to anything else. Now, going through the hardship, going through all the difficulties, and let us not lose hope in that. Let us not get bitter or difficult and that we refuse to continue on 
with God. But we need to fan and fan it all the time. Heaven is the mother of all matters, our joy and our yearnings. So we have these three reasons here, why we should have an attitude of joy. We are being identified. We know that we are on the right track. We are being refined in the fire by God, that we can become more precious to Him. And there is a reward. There is a tomorrow for all of us. There is a heaven waiting for us. And let us strengthen our hearts. Strengthen our hearts. We have been here as a church for 40 years now. We have gone, we have experienced the ups and the downs. We have gone through the difficulty. We rejoice and we pass through and we get through with God's help. We are 40 years now. And next week we're going to celebrate that. And all of you are coming, right? Oh, yeah. Once in 40 years now, you don't come and then you waste, uh, like missing heaven. Uh. Uh, better come. Make plans to come. Yeah. 40 years of God's faithfulness. Let us rejoice. God is perfecting His church. Oh, as I say that, we come with impurities that need to be purified. So God is working with us. And let us not give up the hope. And let us go with Him. Maybe for the next 40 years, or many more 40 years to come, that our church will be continually be a lighthouse for Jesus. The persecution we face today is only natural. I would say that it's only natural that it happened because we are light of the world. We have read in the newspaper and we know of all the unhappiness over believers. All the unhappiness over believers. The world will love their own, but we are not of the world. We are journeying to our heavenly home. We are pilgrims here on earth. Our destination is the glory of eternal life. Jesus did not promise a bed of roses on earth, but He promised His peace. He promised His peace. Can a musician please come as well? In the midst of persecution, we can still possess an attitude of joy, of rejoicing, of peace, of gladness. Jesus declared, we are blessed. We are blessed when we suffer for Him. So we do not fear or be anxious because God still preserves the saints. God still preserves the saints. And we will be the benefactors. So do not lose heart. Be strong and courageous. Even the Satan the, will be roaring at us. Be strong and courageous. Jesus has won. We will be winners as well. Alright? It may seem that very far off, but no. Not very far off. Some of us may have to go first, but let us go rejoicing and praising God. Let us go rejoicing knowing that we are on track. We are being purified. And there is a reward waiting for us in heaven.
Praise the Lord. Let us stand. Let us stand. Let us begin to pray. Seek the Lord.